Welcome to What's in Your Library. We're your hosts. I'm Leah. And, and I'm Olivia. There's Liv. <laughs> and we're back with a mini-sode. So grab your wine, cheese, whatever else you're eating Tea, or drinking. Coffee, yeah. lunch. Yeah. It's lunchtime. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, what time is it where you're listening? It's lunchtime here. So I'm drinking a, don't judge me, Sierra Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere and it's a Sunday, you guys. What are you drinking? That can looks interesting. Okay, so over at Grocery Outlet, they always have like all these different teas and stuff in the little cases right next to the register. And I swear every time I grab something, it turns out great. So this is a peach iced tea, which I mean, it tastes a little peachy, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now. That sounds really good and refreshing. Yeah. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday tomorrow. Oh, whatever day you're listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> if it's your Sunday and really it's Wednesday. Yeah, love it. So we know we talked about educated in our last episode and we didn't really get into what was really impactful to the book for us was the sibling abuse. And so we wanted to have a whole separate mini-sode where we really got into what what was the kind of abuse that Tara experienced from her brother, Sean? Not saying she also didn't experience emotional abuse from her parents, but we really wanted to particularly talk about Tara and Sean in this episode and just kind of get into like, what did it look like in their household between them? And then what, what does sibling abuse look like, you know, across the board, you know, how often does it happen? What are the signs of it? And how could you get some help? Cause it actually happens a lot. A lot more than you would think. Yeah. Typically when people think of like abuse or domestic violence, you think of intimate partner violence, you know, your spouse or your significant other, or you think maybe of like child abuse being sexual abuse by an adult. And oftentimes it can be by a sibling, but it doesn't even have to be sexual. It can be this weird line between are they just playing really rough or is this going too far? Yeah. Yeah. And Sean went too far every time. Several times. Yeah, every time. Every time, for sure. He was abusive. Where was Sean at in the birth order? He wasn't the absolute oldest boy. Um, I think there was – I think he was maybe – because I think he was younger than Tyler. Okay, so Tara's the youngest of seven children. So birth order is Tony, Sean, Tyler, Luke, Audrey, Richard, and Tara. Okay, so he's the second oldest. Mm-hmm. All right, so we can go ahead and safely say that he had a lot of authority, right? Because these kids were, <laughs> if you pretend like these kids were working at an organization or at a business, <laughs> Sean would be a higher tier manager. <laughs> yeah. That's how they were treated. Yeah, right. What was the kind of abuse that we saw in the book? What stood out the most to me was... The way that Tara was processing the abuse, really, yeah. right? So you had a couple of different incidences that she really focused on. I'm sure there was a lot more that actually occurred. But you had the parking lot scene where he had twisted her wrist and kind of made it sound like at one point he was teaching her some self-defense uh, techniques or whatever. And then this time he was upset with her. Why was he mad at her? I don't because he was talking. I think that was the first like experience that we saw because Sean had been working 
out wherever he was working, wasn't living in the home. And then he came back and they started kind of forming this relationship um, because she didn't really have much of a relationship with him. It it felt like up to that point that she could really remember. And so, yeah, he was teaching her like self-defense and then they were doing a lot of things like going to, I don't know, play practice or choir practice, whatever they were up to. And she was starting to form a relationship with Charles. Is that his name? Yes. And I think Sean was basically calling her a whore and, you know, and then twisted her arm or her wrist. And did he break it? So that the parking lot one, I think, was the second time it happened. The first time it had been in the house. And that was when he grabbed her and stuck her head in the toilet. And so, it, it, you know, it is like this kind of rough housing thing that goes way super far to the point where she's like saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And he is hurting her, like yeah. physically hurting her. Yeah. And then the second one was the parking lot scene where he basically is breaking her wrist. He has her arm behind her back to the point where he's she starts laughing out loud because she doesn't want people to think that they're not playing around. She's like, ha ha ha, it's just a game. But then she walks through the whole store like in excruciating pain. I, I believe he did actually break it, but they don't go to the doctor. So who the f- knows? <laughs> And it's so sad every time I think there was one point she wrote in her diary, like, he didn't hurt me. You know, nothing Mm -hmm. happened, basically. And when you're right, it is going way too far to the point where, like, she is being really hurt. And even the time, wasn't her mom near when she was being choked by him? And then Tyler came and Tyler basically broke it off and was like, run, I'll handle this. And I don't know. I just, the negligence of the mom, if some, I mean, something did happen to her, but if something really serious would have happened, like you said, they wouldn't have gone to the doctor anyways, but yeah, just sad. What stood out the most to me about this abuse wasn't the actual physical abuse that was happening. It was how everybody was responding to it. Oh yeah. So Tara herself responding to it, right? Where she's looking at herself in the mirror and saying, I'm not crying because he hurt me. It's not tears because of pain or or she's saying it's, it is, sorry, reframe. She's saying that the tears are coming from the pain in her wrist or the pain in her arm or whatever is being hurt that day, not the pain of her brother treating her that way. Mm -hmm. And then you see the way that the parents, whenever it is addressed, because really they do keep it quiet, but then there is that time where mom is present for it and they just act like nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of them did, including Tara. Like, and, and I mean, she was losing consciousness to the point where she's like, I hope I lose consciousness so I don't have to yeah. be awake for this anymore. Like, my goodness. Right. And then when we get a little bit further on in the book, you know, Tara is visiting her sister, Audrey, and she's playing with her niece and her niece does something and Tara responds with, well, if you're going to act like a child, I'm going to treat you like a child. And then Audrey just stops like mouth, jaw open. And she goes, that's what Sean used to say. And that's when she realized that Tara had been abused just as she had. And so then they start kind of having this conversation about like, well, what did the abuse look like for you? I'm sorry. I'm your older sister. I should have protected you. Blah, 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 blah. Like, let's bring this up to mom and dad. And Tara's like, eh, can you wait until I'm back into the U.S.? Because at this point, she's in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And Audrey's like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this tomorrow. <laughs> and 
supposedly mom says, I'll handle everything. I'll talk with dad. We'll get it taken care of. Don't you worry. Come to find out later on, that's not at all what happened. And then he killed the dog. And then she does come home for a visit and is talking to dad. And this is the first time dad's heard of anything. And that's when you learn that mom never brought it up to dad. And so dad calls Sean over and Sean right in front of the parents threatens her life. And he even at some point, I don't know where in the timeline, but even at some point around this takes Tara off to some like abandoned building or whatever to say that he was, he would love to kill Audrey. That she's a liar. How much of Very this? Scary. Totally. How much of this do you think is part of his personality, and how much of it, or how much of it is, can be contributed to his traumatic brain injuries? Because, like we talked about last know. episode, there was at least three or four that we know of in the book. He had a lot of brain injuries. A lot. Yeah, I don't know because I. So kind of like you mentioned. We, we learn a little bit about these brain injuries, but only from Tara's perspective. So only in the time where Tara can remember. Who knows if there was some before she could mm-hmm. remember? Because we know that Audrey was being abused. And so you could definitely say that the abuse started before any of the accidents that Tara writes about in her book. But mm-hmm. were there other accidents? So yeah, how much of it is personality? But again, kind of like we were talking about last time. Even if the the traumatic brain injury is not the cause of the abuse or the cause of the anger, they are definitely using it as an excuse to let him get away with it. Yeah. There's like no accountability. And then you see him with his romantic partners and Tara finds out that he is the same exact way with his romantic partners. And it's sad. It's sad what you see him do to his wife, Emily, right? Was that her name? Emma? Emma, something like that. I can't remember, yeah. Like, leaves her outside in the cold. and No shoes. Yeah, no shoes. Her, like, lightest clothes. and, And even then, nothing is really done about it. No, they just send her home. They're like, you know, it's a very abusive... You can identify Sean as the abuser, mm-hmm. but then other people in the family become the abuser by being an accomplice. Right. And to not addressing the issue and to just writing it off for whatever reason. And I mean, then dad starts to get to the point where he's like, well, Sean has apologized and he has whatever, whatever for his sins. And so we forgive him. And it's like, that's not how it works. You don't get to just forgive him for something that didn't even happen to you. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't take accountability. He just gaslights Tara and everybody that he abuses. What was that? And I know this isn't sibling abuse, but it's just him being an abusive person in general. It it was the girlfriend before Emma. and Like the first girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. She gives somebody a candy bar and he's like, I want that candy bar. Go get it for me. And she's like, no, I don't know. And then she does end up getting it for him. And I want some water. Well, why did you bring me this without ice? I want ice. And nothing is ever good enough in that instance. Just listening to that was just, uh. Well, and then the lady that he did end up marrying, do you remember the part where he was like announcing their engagement? And he basically says in front of her to his parents, he says, you know, unless I find something better, we're going to go ahead and get married. Oh, my God. I wonder what he looks like. 
<laughs> just gonna look him up. <laughs> so, for you know, of all of the things that went on in the book, I feel like the abuse and the way the family responded to the abuse really shows how tight this family is, their philosophy around certain events. I mean, really, again, about like keeping the outside out and the family in. Nothing good happens when that occurs. Secrets in families. Yes, there are things that you don't need to share to everybody, but secrets in families rot families, in my opinion. When there is such a high level of secrecy, especially surrounded things that you should be talking about, like when you are being hurt by another person, um, it's just no good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sibling abuse. What did you learn, Leah? Well, I learned that it's actually the most common form of child victimization. But it's funny because I I think up until this point, what we, we listened to the book about maybe two years ago, previous to this, and I don't know if I actually have ever thought about sibling abuse, aside from like maybe sibling sexual abuse or like incest, right? But you don't really, oh, they're just roughhousing. Oh, boys will be boys, right? Oh, they're going to duke it out, right? I mean, I've, I've heard that in families. And so it's interesting how culturally acceptable it is for siblings to be mean to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, that, I mean, it shouldn't happen. You know, thinking back to like me and my brother, he's a few years younger than me. And I mean, there there were times like, I mean, I don't want to say we were like fist fighting or anything, but like we weren't being the nicest to each other, you know? Right. So how much of that could have been emotional or physical abuse, you know? I don't know. Well, and then you kind of get to that point too of like, would you reflect on acting that way towards your brother? Was it kind of just like to be a dick or were you like really trying to make him feel terrible and make him feel hurt? Yeah. And like exercise my power, right. Or vice yeah. versa. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it's like me being the oldest or him being, you know, bigger than me. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, it's been a long time since we've ever treated each other poorly like that, but you know, just thinking back to my childhood was, um, was interesting. I'm not saying we ever abused each other, but you know, how far is too far, right? Right. And a child's ability to explain what's a a child's ability to recognize that it's even something that's wrong, but to be able to explain what's happening to them and then to be able to determine the abusive child, like what their true intentions are. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting to learn that they're really aren't any laws and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what I found, like there aren't really laws against sibling abuse. Now, sibling sexual abuse, that's different. There can be criminal charges against that. Right. But for sibling abuse, like physical or emotional, there's not really laws against it. Now for, you know, the child abuse laws, I guess if a sibling was being significantly hurt by another sibling, if the parents didn't do something about it, then, you know, that could be seen as perhaps negligent. But I don't think working in child welfare that I've ever seen a child come into foster care for like sibling abuse or anything like that. I've never right really experienced that personally. Um, I found that 60% of college students experienced physical violence And 89% of male and 98% of female respondents to the survey reported experiencing emotional aggression from a sibling. 
which is it's a lot. Yeah. We could say most. It's interesting that there's limited research. You don't hear about it. You know, even looking up, like, how do you treat sibling abuse? Like, you don't really find that much on it, but it happens so often. We can say we we know a lot of people who have been in some way abused by their sibling or experienced assaults, whether physical or emotional, you know, assaults Mm -hmm. on themselves by a sibling. It's interesting. It's something that like I never, again, when I think of domestic violence or I think of abuse, Mm -hmm. I don't think of sibling abuse. It's not something that comes to mind. Um, One of the websites that I found was homeschool alumni reaching out. And so it's Harrow. And she talks about sibling abuse, the unspoken threat. And she has in here about some facts about sibling abuse. Um, I'm a couple of, you know, personal account. Well, I don't know if it's personal to her, but she has some quotes in here from some individuals. And she says, as many as 74% push or shove their brothers and sisters, according to Murray Stratus, PhD, author of Behind Closed Doors, Violence in the American Family. So maybe Violence in the American Family is a book that if you know somebody who's going through this or uh, you yourself have been through this and you want to learn more, Mm -hmm. that might be a good resource. They also found that 42% go further. They kick, punch, or bite their siblings If we add verbal abuse, the number climbs to 85% who engage in verbal aggression against siblings on a regular basis. So again, we kind of get to this question of like, where is the line? You know, kids fight. I think about the the stories my husband tells about the physical, I guess you would call it physical violence, right? Like you want to laugh about it because like I know that they love each other and they have a great relationship. But sometimes the stories I hear about how they, how aggressive they were to each other as kids is like, Wow. Right. When does wrestling turn into like not wrestling anymore? You know? Right. And like you see boys wrestling sometimes and it's like, ooh, like we should break this up. Right. (laughs) And it's just, but again, boys being boys, but it's, or, you know, girls being girls or boys. (laughs) Well, you know, and when you think about the stereotype, right? Like boys are physically aggressive toward one another and girls are emotionally aggressive toward one another. Mm -hmm. But on this website, the sibling abuse unspoken threat, She has a list of uh, warning signs of sibling abuse. So if the sibling is being abused, you will notice that the child avoids interactions with siblings. Child fears being left alone with sibling. Child does not want to be at home or go home. Child acts out abuse in play. Has unexplained bruises, scrapes, or injuries after hanging out with sibling. Child is overly compliant or withdrawn when interacting with the sibling, or the child's relationship with sibling is entirely negative. And then you have if the sibling is the abuser, right? Child always assumes the role of an aggressor during playtime with siblings. Child seeks inappropriate sexual contact with sibling. Child demonstrates age-inappropriate sexual awareness and or curiosity. Child takes younger children or siblings to secret places or plays special games with them, which in the book, they kind of use those words a lot to make it sound like we're just playing, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a special game between us. And Tara's (laughs) like, no, it's not. Right. (laughs) Then she gets her head stuck in a toilet, right? (laughs) Right. Child becomes violent towards pets or toys. 
Child frequently seeks out the company of younger children or siblings rather, rather than their peers. Child intentionally ignores boundaries of other children or siblings, even when other children or siblings express dismay or resist. Child views sexual images of other children on the internet. The child rewards other children or siblings with attention or prizes in exchange for sexual contact. So those are some of the signs. I was curious, and I know we can't necessarily answer this, but I, and I wish we knew, like, what was he like previous to any brain injuries? Because there are yeah. instances when he is, you know, a big brother and trying to protect her from dad being Mr. Crazy Pants and, you know, putting her in really harmful situations. But yeah, then, like you said, there's other instances where are you trying to yeah. kill her? Like... <laughs> And I wonder, are these like blind rages that he's going to going through, you know, like what what's happening inside of his brain, you know, because you do see Tara talking about accounts of after an abusive situation that he would come, you know, into her room and apologize. And she like basically was always expecting it that after some type of physical abuse, he would come and apologize in some way. And she would say, I've already forgiven you, you know, but he did seem based on her account and what she wrote in her diaries, he did seem genuinely sorry. Unless he had to take responsibility for it. Right. He only wanted to take responsibility for it on his terms. Yeah. You know, and the responsibility was, I mean, it wasn't public, right? It was only with Tara. But when other people found out or when other people called him out, this isn't happening. You know, she's lying. She's lying. And right. It's sad. I mean, and I I think she made the right decision, though. You know, her family is not necessarily super supportive of her endeavors, but also combined with the, you know, lack of acknowledging the abuse that she and her sister went through and, you know, Sean's girlfriends went through. Like, she had to let them go because I don't think she would ever be safe around Sean. No. No. And honestly, you know, when he got to the point where he was threatening her from afar and and talking about how it would be just cheaper to hire someone to kill her than to do it himself. That is just crazy. And that's terrifying, especially when you've seen what he's capable of. You know, like you killed your dog, like your dog came (laughs) over with the bloody knife and put it in my hand to threaten me. Like he's not just verbally threatening. He is doing whatever he can to make her feel completely powerless and that he is somebody that has all the control. So how do people get help from this? Do we think that Sean could be like, if he, like what kind of help would be out there for him? So kind of like you said, it's hard to find. <laughs> it's really hard to find. So I went on to stop and they do have a tab for sibling abuse. And really it, they, They tell people to go to the child abuse hotline or to visit some of the resources that they have on here, but it's mostly like getting therapy. So A, a parent is going to have to be aware in the first place, which I think often is the biggest barrier. And a parent not only has to be aware, but they have to acknowledge that this is abuse. It's just, you know, roughhousing or kids speaking rude to each other. It's... It's a problem, like acknowledging that it's actually a problem. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about the fact that it's the National Child Abuse Hotline that we kind of talked about before is parents might feel afraid to report that because at what point is the parent in trouble? They might feel afraid that if I report this to an abuse hotline, 
I'm going to be the one in trouble, not not getting help necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, me, I don't work for a child welfare agency, but working in the field, I don't think I would call the hotline. <laughs> I mean, I would probably seek out therapy. But again, yeah, I would a thousand percent be looking for a therapist that maybe like specializes in this area. I wouldn't yeah. be calling no abuse hotline. At yeah. All. No. <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, yeah, I guess for the entire family, not just the perpetrator, but also for Tara, it would just be, you know, counseling. Mm-hmm. Which she did eventually get some counseling. I'm glad she she deserves that. She deserves to work on her healing, however long it takes. I know that she said in the book, she always feels some kind of connection with her family. Obviously, it's her family and how difficult that must be to let this part of you go, especially when, I mean, we can call it their culture. It was, it's so- their family culture. Yeah, yeah, it's so different than the life that she's living now. It must be really hard. I would really like to see- schools addressing this issue Mm -hmm. so I did school social work for a very short amount of time I did it for like one and a half school years you know like school Mm -hmm. semester so like three semesters I did it for three semesters and one of my tasks was I would present to classes I did an elementary school and so I would go and teach kids about bullying and how to be safe on the internet and things of that nature. I wish I had known about sibling abuse because I did do one week where I went to all of the classes and taught about what physical abuse was and what a safe touch and an unsafe touch was. But man, did I miss the mark on completely leaving out this entire section Yeah. Well, and usually we're talking about, you know, if an adult touches you like this or if your partner touches you like this, we don't think about the sibling aspect. Nope. And I wonder if it's because it's normal for siblings to be mean to each other or we expect that it shouldn't happen or shouldn't happen to this degree. I don't know. Well, and I think a lot of times too, you know, kids, especially depending on the age, they act out or play out what is also happening to them. Yeah. So as a teacher or as a school social worker or anybody that works within the school, seeing a kid being aggressive toward another kid could be that they themselves are being abused at home. Yeah. And so mom and dad are not going to be the one to report or acknowledge that there's some sibling abuse going on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that most abuse is something to do with control. Yeah. And the child feels like they do not have control over one thing or another, whether it's they don't have control over their body because somebody else is controlling what is being done with their body and telling them how to use their body. Um, it just, I, I, to me, it always comes back to control. Yeah. I'm really glad that we did some research on this because it's something that people don't talk about. And even like we've said, it's something that we didn't even really think about up until this reading or listening of educated. Yeah. And we've barely scratched the surface. Totally. You know, there is, even though there's not a whole lot of research out there, there's definitely research out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It's it is very underreported. Liv said that her sources, but I got a lot of information from um, an article, Physical and Emotional Sibling Violence, A Necessary Role for Social Work by Perkins and O'Connor. And then I found some information on psychology today as well. So we'll definitely link that on our website. So if you want to get, you know, if you want to kind of further your reading and knowledge into this as well, then you can do that. Yeah. And if this is something that you want to learn more about or you want to talk to someone about, and if you don't feel comfortable going to a child abuse hotline, or maybe this is something that happened to you as a child and now you're an adult, definitely reach out to a therapist. Um, Psychology Today is actually a really good place Mm -hmm. to find therapists. That's where I found my current therapist. So, you know, you can search for people who even specialize in this. I haven't looked it up, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe at least one one uh, person's bio says that they that they deal with sibling abuse. Totally. All right. Anything else? No. Do we leave anything out? <laughs> no. I think we, like you said, scratch the surface and, you know, definitely do some more research on this. And I'm sure we'll post on our social media some resources as well um, surrounding this episode to so make sure that you guys follow us on Instagram, what's in your library, follow us on Facebook. Also, what's in your library? You can email us, what's in your library at gmail.com. And let us know your thoughts. Yeah, talk to some uh, friends and family about this and see if anybody else has heard about it and, you know, help normalize that A, we can talk about it, and B, that some of these behaviors are not normal. Mm -hmm. When is it too far? And as a parent, if you are somebody who has children, you know, what does that look like for your family? Do you and your significant other have a line where you go, okay, this is too far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us know. And if you are somebody who knows way more about this topic, please reach out to us. Yeah. We always love learning more. Totally. Give us some resources and we'll definitely post them. And we'll see you guys in our next episode where we read an actual book and talk about it. So we'll post to our social media and you guys can read along with us. All right. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye.